This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. Let's have a look at a set of results from a JSE and LSE, that's London Stock Exchange listed company. The company's name is 91, and these are the results to the end of the March month of 2020. And in a sense, they are the maiden set of results in the company's current guise. Let's have a look at some of the highlights according to the company itself. It says here, this was a year of meaningful progress in the strategic positioning of 91 as an independent focused investment manager with significant employee ownership. And it says we execute a demerger enlisting with an exciting new brand. Net inflows of £6 billion in line with the prior year. Assets under management reduced, though, by 7% to £103.4 billion. Profit before tax increased 11% to just under £200 million. And basic earnings per share increased 11%. Adjusted earnings per share increased by 10%. So you're getting the picture of the fact that this is a pretty good set of numbers. With me now is the CEO and founder of 91, and that is Hendrik. Everyone I've spoken to, Hendrik, seems to be very pleased with these numbers. Were you? Yes, Lindsay, I think that's as good as it would have got under the circumstances. You know, really, one year is not the issue. We're a business that's been going for 29 years. This is our, we're going into our 30th financial year now. So it's the growth over time which really matters. But this was a satisfactory result given the conditions. I spoke to a wealth manager at around about 8.30, half an hour after the results were released this morning. And I said, in your morning meeting, what are you going to say? And he said, well, the person that's been assigned to have a look at the 91 results is getting very confused with all the noughts and how much money is actually under management, assets under management. As I said in my introduction, £103.4 billion. That's an awful lot of money, Hendrik. And uh, it's been going up steadily for the three decades in which you've been in existence, despite a couple of wobbles here and there. And at the moment, we are wobbling a bit, aren't we? Yes, I mean, the, uh, if we look ahead, I think it's very important to, I said to shareholders today, last year was last year, and the history is important, but that's the history. We're, we're facing a very tough uh, environment and a very unpredictable environment, um, both from a societal point of view, but also a financial markets point of view. And we will do our very best in the coming year. We've shown that there's a strong platform here and People are well aligned, but, you know, we are in very, very in extremely difficult conditions. And we're also in a world with a severe lack of global leadership. We don't have the major nations singing from the same hymn sheet. We don't have policy coordination that we needed. What we did get was a very fast reaction to stimulate, provide liquidity to the economies. But we still need to cope with the impact on emerging markets, particularly vulnerable emerging markets like South Africa. And uh, therefore, we cannot declare victory just because markets have gone up in almost a straight line since the violent correction of March. No, of course not. So we'll come to your diversification between developed and less developed markets in a moment. But just to clarify something, if you would, Hendrik. Assets under management reduced by 7%, but you delivered net inflows of £6 billion. Is that because of the wobble in the markets or the uh, yeah, sharp and uh, violent sell-off? 
No, let me explain. For the 11 months of the year, markets were pretty good. And actually, we were substantially higher during the year than the, the number we started at the beginning of the year, which is 111 billion. Uh, at the end of the year, because of the 30 plus percent correction yes. and a week and a record week rand on top of that, and we still have a business in South Africa, which is approximately 30 percent of our overall business. Uh, our assets under management were marked down. Of course, some of it's recovered already because of the positive market movement since year end. But the flows were generated over the 12 months of the year. So we brought in net 6 billion new money. Yes. Uh, our asset book declined by 14 billion. And if you make the difference, you end up with 103 billion from the 111. It's really a balance sheet effect or a assets under management effect at the end of the year, and the flow was over the year, and that that flow performance was was a was a very satisfactory. The six billion that came in, the net inflows, where did it go, and from where did it come? It came from all five our global client groups delivered positive inflow, but I may say we had a particularly good year in the UK, uh, as in the country rather than the London office, the UK. And uh, South Africa also delivered excellent flows. And that's really a function of having relevant product. And you would have known that our investment performances in South Africa have been absolutely, you know, have been very, very good over the last few years. And that has translated into, into business. So we're very pleased with, with, with how our South African operation has conducted itself. Um, even though the market is under severe pressure and not not enough wealth is being created there for for for, for the long term. In your strategy and opportunities piece in the Stock Exchange News Service announcement from this morning, you say, although the past year is correctly characterised as eventful, our strategy remains consistent. And that's one of the things that's always come across whenever we've spoken or whenever I've spoken to your colleagues, Hendrik, is that you have your core values, you have your sort of enduring philosophy. And no matter whether it's Nenegate or the global financial crisis of 2008 or whether it's what we're enduring at the moment, the COVID-19, the, the fact is that you, you, you remain consistent. Do you ever get tempted, though, when you when you wake up every morning and think, well, maybe we've got to do something slightly different? Or do your philosophies and your principles that I've just described apply all the time, no matter what? Lindsay, I think we are a business that grows or that has tried to grow organically over time. And that means we improve bit by bit. We talk about our purpose, uh, achieving our purpose by building a better firm, investing better and contributing to a better world. But we incrementally try to improve what we do. And that helps you in a very, uh, you know, in a volatile world when when you get confused by everything happening around you and when the doomsters are dominating headlines and sometimes the bulls dominate headlines. And if one actually puts your head, if you put your head down, you keep working at what you do as long as what you do is relevant. And so we say what we offer clients should be relevant and should be enduring. So, uh, you know, equity investing according to a particular style, whether it's quality, whether it's value, whether it's full factor, well, that's an enduring discipline. And demand may change in the near term, but if you do it well, you will attract uh, uh, investors. And we always say our strategic principles are all about patience, organic development, long-term thinking, 
and creating an intergenerational business. But that doesn't mean we won't go for, we won't be opportunistic and we won't go for opportunities when they present themselves either by, so for example, over the last few years, we've raised substantial money in, um, and attracted investors into our global multi-asset income range, which allows people to get better income than they can get in the low yielding bank accounts without taking too much risk and being exposed to multiple asset classes. We, for example, have uh, told people after the financial crisis that, you know, there's a case to be invested in bulletproof companies. They may not be the cheapest on the day. They may not be the most attractive. Mm. But if you invest in those companies which have endured the Second World War, the Great Depression, etc., and they're still here and are building franchises which are really attractive, and today these would include the Microsoft of the world, etc., then you have a safer equity exposure. Now, that capability is, for example, done really well. Traditional value investing is in trouble, not because it won't over the long term come right, and it may be a violent snapback in its favor, but it goes through bad seasons. And, and when we're in a bad season, we don't panic. We just continue what makes sense and what made sense in the context of history, and we know it will come right in time. The worst thing you can do is double down on your mistakes. You mentioned the word organically earlier on, and I suppose there would be a temptation uh, for you now that you are being thrust even more than you were before into the public eye and the investment world eye as well. Uh, people will come to you and say, well, I've got this uh, small company here, and now, you've, uh, now you're on the London Stock Exchange and the JSE. Maybe you should have a look at that. But you've always said you wanted to grow organically, and you've said in your results presentation that you will not be issuing any more shares, certainly in the near term. So is that still your philosophy? Absolutely. I think our philosophy is, is, is about creating an environment. We're a people's business matched with the financial capital of our clients. We don't want to employ too much of our own financial capital because we think that would change the nature of the business. And anyone who invests in our shares will know they invest along, alongside the people of the business. We are one of the two largest shareholding blocks in our business are us, the people of, of 91. But I think what's important, we will keep our eyes open to new talent, new skill sets, which we require. We don't exclude M&A all the time, every day. All we say is we won't be doing large transformative transactions, which have such high inherent risk that you often lose more than you gain by them. And the only people who gain are the investment bankers or the vendors of the bad business to you. So we have a clear preference for organic growth. We will continue to build our human capital pool. And, and there are some conditions under which we may want to acquire a small business or a small skill set. Mm. But that is clearly not on the agenda right now. Okay. I look at the outlook statement now, and it, essentially I can sum it up and say times are going to be tough, but we're going to stick to our guns and we're going to be remaining focused on our clients and so forth, which is what I would expect. I've got a couple of questions for you just to conclude this interview, if I can, Hendrik. The first sure. one is, have you found that your door is being knocked on more now by people that maybe weren't aware of Investec Asset Management as you used to be known now, 91, and saying, yeah, I'm interested, give us a presentation? That's the first part of the question. So maybe answer that first. Lindsay, I think the brand still needs to get out there. The clients, clients have, you know, have, have not changed their behavior. We still have to knock on their doors as hard as we used to knock 
whatever we were called before. What was very interesting though, in the talent market, now that we are an independent uh, focused asset manager outside a group with a substantial bank in and therefore subject, not subject to banking regulations, the talent pool, particularly in places like London, New York and Hong Kong, have been approaching us much more freely. Obviously, we need to be very careful because we must measure to control our costs very well during the year. But we do feel that our access to talent has, if anything, improved. You're very client-centric, but also you are very much focused on your talent. 21% of your company is owned by your people. So have you noticed a change in the atmosphere since you've become 91, since you've been independent, since you've been independently listed? Do you find people are almost have a more sort of cohesive sort of family approach to their work every day? No, I, I think the difference, we, we have tried to keep, maintain it exactly as it was and just seen it as a natural progress for the business. So we are not driven by the short-term pressures of the market in any way. And we're not going to. And we invest more than almost uh, as much as any other shareholder in this business. So in that sense, we stay the same. What was very exciting is, is that the people of 91 uh, felt the responsibility that they now have their future in their hands. Yes. And that is a massive motivator. We are not sellers of these shares. We want to build this business for the very long term. And we know people say medium-sized asset managers aren't going to survive in large global markets. We've heard that story before. In 1999, I was in, in London. There was an interview with four very large fund managers, and, and I was the medium-sized one they included. And they all said, well, consolidation is the only thing that will win in this industry, and the media, mid-sized guys will be driven out. Today, I'm the only one in my job. Those other guys have been gobbled up by other <laughs> businesses. So I think, quite, quite frankly, it's about how well you do your job in this world. And that's what digitization does. Digitization takes the limits of scale away. If what you do is good, people will find it and you can deliver it. And that's why I'm, I'm quite excited about the new phase. If we can get through the reverberations of the COVID-19 pandemic economic downdraft, which is going to be probably the second biggest one in 100 years. I agree with you on that score, that's for sure. Hendrik, thank you very much for your time. That's Hendrik Tatoy, the CEO of 91, 